Thanks for listening to the Surviving Loving an Addict podcast. The views expressed in this podcast must not be interpreted as personalized medical advice. Those experiencing addiction and those with loved ones experiencing addiction are urged to seek medical attention and professional counseling from providers experienced in addiction therapies and treatment. Thank you. Welcome back. We're here again. Dave Millward. Karsten Millward. This is the Surviving Loving and Addict podcast. This is going to be a, a, a quick episode. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You, so oftentimes hanging out with Mr. Millward over here, he'll tell me some crazy stories. And I think that I think that we're on to something sharing more stories. I'm going to I'm going to let my dad share the stories. But uh, these are some interesting ones. Wanted to get these out there. Uh, let's 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 go. So what are we talking yeah, about? Well, tonight? you know, listen, with the tape not rolling, we were talking a little bit about some recovery issues. And uh, one of the recovery issues is, uh, am I sabotaging my loved one's recovery? Which, um, on the surface, sounds pretty ridiculous. Of course. Right? Of course. Now, I've got somebody that's suffering from addiction, and, and of course I'm not going to sabotage their recovery. I want them to be healthy and whole and restored to when they were nine years old or yeah. whatever it is, right? However... This is a difficult situation, and it causes you to have to take a deep personal look at yourself. Let me give you some examples. I had a good friend when I first started in this industry. He was uh, newly retired from a major corporation. He was a CEO, and he was a drinker. But he was a nighttime drinker. He'd come home from work. He'd go into his study. He'd open his Jack Daniels, and he would drink until he fell asleep. He'd wake up the next morning, go to work, and repeat. Um, when he retired, his wife said to him, and I'm going to use Tom as his name. He's not really his name, but she said, Tom, I'm not going to be married to an alcoholic. Either you quit drinking or we're done. Tom was a... Good-hearted, wonderful man. Goes to treatment, comes in. He starts working like crazy, and he is making tremendous progress. Well, in treatment, one of the things we were talking about was personal responsibility and money management. And he said to me, he says, you know what? I've never, ever cashed a check. I have no idea what my paychecks are like. They go directly into the bank. He says, uh, my wife takes care of all of our money. I don't even know how many accounts we've got or where it's at. All he had was a single credit card that he carried in his wallet, and that's what he used when he picked up his liquor on the way home. So wanting to do the good and right thing and be a part of this with his wife, he went home and he said, Sweetheart, where's our checks? And how many credit cards do we have? And she said, Why? He goes, I want to be helpful. I want to be involved. Where's our money? Why? Well, because I want to help and I want to be a team. And so, you know, he talked to her about being able to participate in, in the money and the finance. And you know what? True story. She walked into his office a couple of days later, the office in the house. And she said, you look stressed. She opened up a bottle of Jack Daniels and she pulled her, poured him up a, a shot of whiskey. 
I saw him once or twice after that, but he was back full blown into drinking. No way. Absolutely. <laughs> now, why? <laughs> why would she do that? So this the second that he says, okay, I want to participate in the finances. That's right. <laughs> I want to know how much money I make. <laughs> right. What are, what are we, where's the money? How many, how many credit cards do we have? Yeah. And it's not like she was irresponsible with it. They lived in a beautiful house and they had, you know, everything. But but what did she give up when he quit drinking? Power. Power. Wow. Gave up power and control. Or it risked it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so for her, actually, there was more benefit in him drinking than in not drinking. Oh, man. Let me tell you another story. Yeah. Well, it's. Had a woman come in one time with a son. Son was hooked on uh, heroin. And she was a very prim and proper lady. Sat up straight in the chair, knees together, hands in her lap. And she was terrified that her son was going to die from using heroin. And he was using a substantial amount. But she was just terrified. Please help my son. Save my son. I'm just so scared. What am I going to do? So he comes into treatment, and he's been in treatment for a month, and he actually responded very well because he didn't like what he was doing in the first place, and he wanted to get out of it. Should we give? All right, let's let's give him a name. Can we? We we just had Tom. Can we go with Jerry? Let's go with Jerry. All right. So we better give her a name too, Gladys. Let's call her Gladys. So Gladys one day calls me on the telephone, and she's screaming. She says. You have got to fix this. You have got to fix this. I'm thinking, what in the world have I got to fix? What in the world is going on here? And she says, his room is a disaster. Jerry cannot pick up his clothes. He doesn't clean up after himself. His room stinks. He is just a pig. I can't believe it. You have to fix this. I sat on the phone and I thought to myself, one month ago you're crying because he's almost dead, and now you're griping because he doesn't pick up his clothes? I thought, what in the world? Why would that possibly be the case? Well, obviously, with that kind of pressure and that kind of scolding and stuff, next thing you know, Jerry's using again. And the next thing you know, she's prim and proper and scared to death that he's going to die. You know, as he was getting better, all of a sudden, she didn't have anything to complain about. She didn't have much to blame her misery, her pain, her whatever she was going through on him. Because as he was using, it was all his fault. But as he quit using... She had to look at her own issues in her own life, and it was uncomfortable for her. So the easier thing to do was to put him in a position where picking up and using again made more sense to him, and it helped her to feel better about herself. It's heartbreaking, but it happens all the time. Well, and I can see anybody falling into that because in life we get comfortable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even in our pain and misery, we get comfortable. Yep. Man. Uh, so what would you say to somebody who is maybe sensing that in themselves? 
Yeah, maybe they somebody listening has a loved one going through counseling okay. who's doing better. And maybe one of our listeners is starting to struggle. Well, let me add on to that. One of the reasons, you know, we talked in a previous podcast about codependent behavior, right? Well, if all of a sudden the person that I've been taking care of doesn't need my help anymore, I lose my purpose. Oh, man. And it's like any kind of withdrawal from any other drug. It's painful, difficult. And one of my best options is to get the person, Jerry, to relapse so I have purpose again. So you're right. Let's say that you're kind of going through some of those feelings. Well, the first thing you remember to do is, you know, I think everybody in the world needs counseling. I don't think counseling is specific to one person or one type or whatever. You know, we're all a little bit nuts. <laughs> you know? and, and we need people to talk to. And I think that uh, if you feel those kinds of feelings, get into some counseling for yourself. You got to take care of you. You know, sabotaging recovery. Let me, one of the other things that I want to throw out there for my friends that are struggling with their own recovery, and they tell me quite often, you know, I'll hear, oh, well, my friend drinks, but but they're good with my recovery, or my friends, you know, they're still using, but they support me in my sobriety. You know, here's the deal. When, when you tell me that you're, best friend who can't quit using drugs is so happy and excited for you to quit using and they give you so much support and they're going to make sure you don't pick up, I'm telling you, you're in trouble. Because here's what happens. If you manage to quit using, I, your friend, think about what a piece of crap I am. Right? Now, using... Part of using is about self-loathing. I hate me. I hate who I am. Now here's a person that I care about, and my buddy, and he's not using anymore, and I can't quit. It tells me what a piece of crap I am. So here's what I tell you. You know, as your best friend here, I'm going to say, yeah, man, I support you. Good job. But here's what I'm going to do. Every once in a while, I'm going to throw out, hey, but you know, if hey, if you ever want to get a little bit high, I got some good stuff. And then you're going to say to me, Man, I can't believe you'd say that. What's going on? And I'm going to jokingly pass it off as, come on, man, can't you take a joke? Oh, yeah, it was just a joke. You didn't really mean it. I get it. And then I'm going to look for another opportunity when I can say, dude, I got some. Would you like it? And I'm going to watch for those opportunities when you are vulnerable. And then I'm going to invite you. I'm going to say, hey, why don't you have some of this? Now, why in the world would I do that? Because I need you to fail. I need you to fall so that I can say, see there, Jerry couldn't do it either. So I'm okay. And it's not about being a rotten person. It's not about being, you know, vindictive. Mean. It's about self-preservation. I have to be okay. And so I have to do whatever it takes. And part of what it takes is to sabotage your recovery. You know, sabotage comes in a lot of forms. My loved ones that have all the best intentions for me might sabotage me because it is more easy or more convenient for them when I'm using than not. I'll give you one other example. 
if, uh, if, you know, let's say Gladys is using and the neighbors all say to Fred, her husband, oh, you poor thing, man, you're such a good man. Look at how you take care of the kids and, and you're just such a stellar person. I get all kinds of attention and all kinds of support from all the neighbors and friends and relatives because look, Gladys is having a hard time because she's using and she's just a derelict or whatever it is. Well, one of the things that happens is when you quit using, all of a sudden, all that attention that I've been getting goes away. Goes to Gladys. Goes to Gladys. Congratulations. Oh, you're doing such a wonderful job. Now, I'm not saying we're mean, we're petty or any of those things, but it... um, was comfortable being supported by everybody and doing a good job yeah yeah I mean, for your sacrifice and your good and you know all that yeah yeah anyway we're not patronizing but like we have to paint that that scenario oh, yeah, absolutely. well I, in 20 years i've seen it this. in 20 years i've seen it so many times i can't even count them yeah so recovery is a wonderful thing you might need to get some counseling yourself. Sometimes we think it's just the addict. If you fix them, everything's good. But you might discover in this process that they're not the only ones that need help. Yeah. Maybe we should switch our stance to what you had said previously. Everybody needs counseling. Everybody needs it's good counseling. for everybody. We're all a little bit nuts. <laughs> uh, trust me, I know. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> hey. This is a great time to say goodnight. Appreciate you once again. Yep. This is the Surviving Loving an Addict podcast with Karsten Millward. And David Millward. Have a good night.